My name is Dr. Tram Jones, and since 2019, my wife and I have been living in Haiti. This is the story of our life there and the patients we've seen. In Haiti, at our clinic, we are passionate about using the resources that we have to treat the most patients. This often means that as a clinic leadership, we plan the direction of our clinic in order to be able to stretch each dollar to save the most lives. This is why we focus so much on malnutrition care. It is the single largest contributor to death among children who are in our area. Similarly, our protocols are built to detect diarrhea and pneumonia, afflictions that affect many children, not just in Haiti, but across the developing world. Not only are these common, but treatment is just 11 cents per child for diarrhea and a few dollars for pneumonia. However, as much as we focus on these issues, the situation changes when children start to come to the clinic. What do you do when complicated cases come in? From time to time, children come through the clinic doors with perplexing cases that will take many visits and more dollars to cure. In my mind, you can and should focus a lot of resources on common diseases, but when a child is in front of you, your job as a doctor or as a nurse or as a clinic administrator is to treat that child. I want to tell you about a few young patients that needed that extra care. As so many of our patient stories start, I was working at the clinic and a staff member alerted me to an ill patient in the waiting room. I walked outside, expecting to see another toddler suffering from the end stages of malnutrition. This is the most frequent severe disorder we see. Instead, however, I saw a father that was sitting on the bench holding his five-year-old boy, John. I sat down next to him and was startled. The diagnosis was dishearteningly easy. Anyone walking down the street could tell what was wrong. John had a head that was very enlarged, enough that it weighed down his entire body, and he could not hold it up on his own. The little boy was suffering from something called hydrocephalus. Let me give a little background from a medical perspective about what this is. So all of our brains are bathed in a liquid called cerebrospinal fluid. This is a clear substance that's constantly being created and then drained from within our skull. As it flows throughout our brain, there's a determined path for it to flow. Unfortunately, though, at times, the passage of this fluid around our brain can get obstructed. In children, this can be because maybe there's an infection that can damage that path of flow, or maybe there's a malformation of the brain that stops it up, or, as we see a lot in premature babies, maybe there was a brain bleed and the the blood clotted, and then the fluid couldn't pass through. Whatever the cause, when this happens, the pressure in the head starts to rise, almost like water that builds up behind a dam. As anyone with an infant knows, a baby's skull is not fully formed. There's cracks and fissures all throughout. As the pressure starts to build in hydrocephalus, the head expands. Now, at first, it's just a cosmetic problem, and the child has a larger head. But the real issues start when the skull hardens. At this point, there is nowhere for the pressure to go, and brain damage starts to occur. Children begin to have seizures and neurologic issues until they eventually pass away from the disease. In the United States, however... Most children are intervened upon well before their head would significantly enlarge and before neurologic damage would occur. Not surprisingly, this illness is much more common in Haiti. We have higher rates of brain infections due to poor vaccination coverage, more premature births due to poor prenatal care, and more brain malformations due to a lack of folic acid. That's the medicine that's in prenatal vitamins. But at this point, When I was sitting with John 
in the middle of Haiti's rainy season, I had not yet made this connection. I was simply seeing a child with a serious illness and not having any idea how I could treat him. Jean's skull had fused and he had suffered from neurologic damage. He could only minimally move his arms and legs. That weakness had led his limbs to become contracted. Remarkably, though, he was able to speak with me. He said hi, and I could ask him how he was, and he would respond, and his sweet smile was heart-stopping. His father told me their story. He told me that John's mother had left the family when he was little, as she started to see John's disabilities appear. For the last four years, his father was the sole caregiver for John. All the while, he had continued to search for a cure for his son. We wanted to help him. Over the next two months, by an odd coincidence, or by God's will, three other children with hydrocephalus showed up to our doors. These included Arthur, a 23-month-old boy who was cared for along with his three siblings by a single mother who sold goats and chickens to make ends meet. It also included Esther, who's a sweet two-year-old girl whose hydrocephalus was so severe that she suffered from seizures every few minutes that were painful for anyone to watch. And lastly, there was Sion. Sion was our youngest, a seven-month-old girl whose hydrocephalus was rapidly progressing. Her father had loved her deeply and had connected with a surgeon who said he could operate. He had faithfully contacted the hospital daily to see when the surgery could be done. And then, tragically, two months before I saw her, her father had died in a car accident. Her dad had been taken from her, but just as importantly, she no longer had her advocate. Her grieving mother was left adrift with Sion, unsure what to do. When she finally brought Sion to our clinic, we sat with her. The mother was still bereaved, you could see it, and she felt lost. We talked with her and we told her that we wanted to help her. She agreed. As we talked to her, she said that caring for Sion would be her husband's legacy. Haiti is a country of 11 million people. We are roughly the population of Georgia or Ohio. However, in this island nation, we only have one neurosurgeon, and he's a blessing for the country. He was trained in partnership with the University of Miami and is the only resource for a child who needs a brain surgery. Prior to coronavirus, his hospital was able to provide pediatric surgeries pro bono. But as foreigners have not been able to visit the country, funding has dried up and the hospital has had to start charging a fee. I needed to get our children to see this surgeon, but their transportation was a significant issue. The children's heads were so heavy that a motorcycle was not a viable option. The distance also made tap-taps, those are the pickup trucks that Haitians use for public transportation, a choice that really wouldn't work very well. So I spoke with our driver, Smyrn, to drive the children to the hospital with our car. This was the start of a very long, very winding battle to get these children surgery. Next, we discussed price with the hospital. For each surgery, the cost would be $500. Now, if you're from the United States, you realize this is a bargain. The same surgery in the United States would easily run $50,000. Even with the cost not that high, I did not have the money to start, but we decided to move forward anyway. The primary issue was getting the kids ready for surgery. Each had other medical problems that would need to be taken care of to make sure that they were in top shape for the operation. By protocol, they needed to see the pediatrician at the hospital for the neurosurgeon and then be cleared for surgery. Over the next five months, Smyrn made 10 trips to Hospital Bernard Mebs with the four of them. With typical Port-au-Prince traffic, that means a four-hour round trip. In addition, this area of Port-au-Prince is very active in regards to anti-government protests. One day that I remember, Smyrn was caught in a student protest, and our backlight was broken when they started throwing rocks at our car. 
Recently, Smyrna was holed up with the four patients in the hospital due to an outbreak of gunfire all around the area. Many times, Smyrna would have to navigate around burning tires just to get the kids home. As he and I were struggling to get these children to the finish line, one of our most generous friends, John, came to Haiti to visit us. I made an offhand remark about this group of children, mainly to highlight the challenges of kids in Haiti. I didn't intend to ask him to help. He had already donated so much to help the clinic. But that's not how John works. As John was flying back to the United States, I found he had left exactly enough U.S. dollars to treat all the kids. The process continued to wind on, back and forth, on the dangerous roads. But one by one, eventually, the children were all cleared for surgery. The main challenge at this point was to get on the surgeon's schedule. And so, we were overjoyed when we finally got the news that two of the children had been given a surgery date. As mentioned, there is only one surgeon in all of Haiti that can do this. To get on the schedule was a small miracle. On the day before surgery, Smyrna loaded up Jean and Zion into our car for their last trip into the city. Little Zion was in the back seat. As always, her mother had her head wrapped in a blanket, always conscious to try to protect her child from people gawking at her head. I took a video of John so that he could say hello to Hannah, and I could show her later. I closed the doors, and off Smyrna went. For the next day, there was little communication. The children were being pre-opt. Late in the afternoon the next day, we finally got word. Both had undergone surgery and done exceedingly well. I saw them later that week. As I looked at them, though, little appeared different. There was a small scar, no more than maybe an inch, where the incision had been made. Fortunately for the children, the doctor had only needed to create an alternate path for fluid to flow through the brain. This involved creating a small hole connecting one section of the brain to another. But it almost felt anticlimactic. We had spent five months of heartache for this small little nick. Externally, they looked no different. Their heads would not reduce in size. Their skulls had already fused. They would never look the same as other children. But they would live. The statistics would say that without surgery, they only had a 20% chance of surviving to adulthood. Now, those odds were 95%. We are continuing the process for our other two patients, Arthur and Esther. Their mothers are being patient with us, and we continue to push to have their surgeries done. But we feel new fire after this last month. For so long, it felt like a bridge to nowhere. We were going to endless appointments with no end in sight and no funding source. Smyrna deserves much of the credit as it was him who put his life on the line to get these children to all those appointments. Now we know that we can reach the finish line with these other two. So many of the children that we treat at the Les Moon Clinic come in with malnutrition or diarrhea, things that are in our wheelhouse. And yet, with increasing regularity, there are complicated cases. In the view of global health, many would argue that we are more suited to direct our resources, particularly our time, towards low-hanging fruit. These four children undoubtedly took up precious resources. The $500 fee is really the least of it. There was significant staff time, car time, gas, worry. As I reflect on this, the reason we focus so much of our energy on these children is really fairly simple. It's because they came through our doors. Once children start to come to see you, you stop worrying about efficiency. The planning and the direction setting become simple. Your job is just to care for the child in front of you. Thank you for listening. We would like you to know that we are simply telling stories as we have seen them in Haiti. But Haiti is a fascinating country with a fascinating history. 
and there are many Haitian voices that can tell the story of Haiti in all its facets, and we encourage you to seek them out. As we made this episode, some names have been changed to protect confidentiality. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends or give us a rating wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you and God bless.